Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Healing Circle broadcast. Hold I am on, babe. I'm, I'm sorry. You see that in the distance? What it's is a it, Kyle? what is? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a book <laughs> titled "Why Am I Like This." It comes out in April of 2023. Sorry, I just saw it in the distance. I wanted to make sure we were all on the same page. Please continue. Listen, if you need a chief marketing officer, Kyle is for sure the person I got for you. the job. I'm Kobe. I'm Kyle. And we are back for another episode of the Healing Circle podcast. We are so excited to chat with you guys today um, about healing. Duh. It's called the Healing Circle podcast. <laughs> And um, in our last episode, we talked about trauma. We talked about acknowledging it. We talked about, um, what are we talking about? (laughs) We talked about acknowledging it. We talked about reframing the way that we even think about it from a biblical lens. We talked about where it is in in scripture. The very first trauma that, you know, is kind of the, the domino effect for everything else that we live in today. Oh, yes, yes. And we talked about how this season, season five, is really going to be about, okay, we understand we're traumatized. What do we do with it? Um, And I'm really excited about jumping into this because I think that oftentimes the questions we ask don't have the answers that we're actually looking for, uh, but the answers that uh, appear are the ones that we need, okay? So when people say, okay, what do I do with my trauma? I understand I have trauma. I understand I need to do something about it. I understand... I need to start this like healing journey. What do I do about it? People come to my office often looking for something to do, like a task, a coping skill, an activity, a journaling. They want something to do about their trauma. The truth is healing trauma rarely starts with an action. It usually starts with where we put our attention, right? Mm. It's about changing and shifting where we put our attention instead of, doing something immediately about it and i i want us to first remember that we have to actually look at the moments before those moments can be healed yeah um i think it's really easy especially when you're hurt like we do this with other people but i think we also do it with our own stories we like to like cliff note things yes so rather than yes. it being like Oh man, I have a I experienced a painful thing that didn't last a moment. It lasted for a decade or it lasted two decades and now it's become normal so I'm living with it and I'm pushing through it. Mm-hmm. But like there's a decade of context. There's two yes. decades of memories of small moments, big moments, little moments, all the things in between. But then we kind of cliff note and we say, "Yeah, like my dad wasn't really around for me." Yeah. And you know what? We 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 stifle people's ability to empathize with us when we cliff note our pain. Come on. Because empathy requires understanding of context because all trauma is contextual, right? I'm a twin. Kyle's a twin. There are things that were traumatizing to me that my sister doesn't even remember, right? And same thing with Kyle and his brother. Trauma is contextual. It's about what you value, about what's important to you, about what matters deeply to you. And so when we try to cliff note it, we actually work against ourselves because it's hard for people to empathize with something they don't fully understand. Like, we have to give details. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I have a nerdy fact I want to share. Can I share it? It's your podcast, baby. I'm just okay. here. Uh, this guy named Yuri Hisani, he created, um, rather, he has a study that talks about this uh, neurological phenomenon called um, brain-to-brain neurocoupling. So brain-to-brain neurocoupling is the idea that human beings are connected, period, but specifically connected through language. What does it mean? When I recall 
a moment, like if you close your eyes and you think about a burger that you love, you can probably like kind of smell the burger. You can see it. You might start like salivating. If you're anything like me, you talk about spicy food and I will literally like start salivating because I love spicy food, right? Uh, but there's a physical and visceral reaction that we get access to based on our memories. That's why when we think about certain things, we feel physical pain in our bodies. When we think about other things, we feel joy, excitement, laughter. We can think back to a joke and literally laugh again, even if the joke was not literally told in the moment, right? Here's the thing. When we tell stories honestly with detail, with emotive language, when we share our experiences with another person with detail, honesty, emotive language, the part of our brain that lights up when we recall that moment also lights up in the other person. Isn't that crazy? But here's the catch. It has to be detailed. Literally, people will viscerally experience something that they've never experienced in reality based on what you share with them if you share it with enough detail right? That's why we can hear stories and cry, hear mm. stories and get angry, hear stories. Like I love psychology and neuroscience because it's really just putting words and like the, the stamp of factual reality to things we already know. Yeah. Right. I can get mad on your behalf based on what happened to you, even though it never happened to me, just based on what you told me about it. Mm -hmm. Right. But people can empathize and be moved by our pain, but we have to be willing to talk about it in detail. But how do you talk about something in detail if you're not willing to look at it? How are you, how can you talk about something in detail when you're not willing to even assess what hurt you? How can someone empathize with the pain you've been through when you haven't even acknowledged the pain that you've been through? And that's why I say all healing starts with acknowledging what you've experienced and looking at it, changing and shifting your attention. I say that also because a lot of people know they're in pain. They just don't know what hurts them. And oftentimes the, the specific thing that hurts you is in the small minutia. It's in the small details, right? And if we don't comb through the experiences we had, which is not the same as being overcome by them, we don't, we, we forego the opportunity to heal our pain because we don't even know what needs to be healed. We don't know what needs to be redeemed. We don't know what needs to be restored. We also forego the opportunity to have that connection of people empathizing with us because they don't know what we've been through. So they don't even know how to show up for us. Yeah. And, and when you live your life divorced from your own story. Yeah. In, in such a way, yeah, you don't talk to anyone else about it. But if you're not talking about it to anyone else, you're probably not talking about it to yourself either. And then true to the point of like some, some of the things we talked about the last episode, you can become delusional. You can, be de you can become delusional about the reality of your own story. Yeah. Right? Because you've cut yourself off to how painful it actually was. Yeah. Case in point, up until I was 23, maybe tw 21, tw somewhere in my yeah. early 20s, people would ask me, oh, like, what was it like growing up? Like, what was your childhood like? And I would say, I had a perfect childhood. I had gang members literally put knives to my throat, literally try to drown me in urinals. 
literally like set my brother's hair like put fireworks in my brother's hair like i was tortured terrorized i experienced a lot of really really bad things but i had spent so much time cliff noting what happened to me i was like oh, i just got bullied oh well you know this this person touched me inappropriately but it's like oh no there's it's just like just playing around Oh, uh, the, these people were, were talking about me. All these, all these, uh, I went to this school and I was the only black person in all my classes and they called me all sorts of things. But it's like, you know, kids will be kids. And so by the time I got to 20, 21, I was so used to not telling the story. I forgot the story existed. And yeah. I was telling people a lie that I believed was true because I'd never rehearsed the truth. So I'm like, yeah, I had a perfect childhood. I wish anyone could grow up like me. Yeah. Now I have two sons, <laughs> and I literally pray, God, I hope they never have to experience Ever. the things I grew up with. Yeah. But to your point, that's what happens when, you, you know, you start getting sparse on the details. It's not just external. Everyone involved starts to forget the story. Yeah. And what's difficult in the world, um, in the body of Christ, is we validate and we reward people for di dismissing their own pain. If you acknowledge your pain, you're inconveniencing me. Right. What's we, in and, here? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's water. Um, we reward people for dismissing their pain. We reward people for betraying themselves mm. because we don't like what it means to be human. It's too inconvenient. It slows down life. It slows down our goals. It slows down um, progress in the way that we want to measure it. And we end up using scripture that's supposed to be a comfort to us. We use that same scripture to, to dismiss our own pain. We use that scripture instead of it being a bomb, we use it as a weapon. And we're already wounded. We're like beating ourselves up with the word that's supposed to be a refuge for us. Right. And then we assume that like Jesus is the one beating us up. Right. And it, it's it's so important for us to recognize we have to tell the truth about our pain. You know, I mentioned before we started recording People always ask, like, you know, they'll use that Bible verse. What is it? Like, press it, forward. Uh, for, like, forget the former things. Um, yeah. See, I'm doing a new thing. Like, press forward uh, towards the mark. Yeah. And it's just like, you get into that. You have your own, like, you have a whole thing. Oh, you know, I've always thing. got a spiel. Uh, <laughs> well, there's this narrative that, that happens, especially, well, you know what? I'll just say in Christian culture, um, in general, in America. Um, where we take scripture out of context, well-meaning yeah. to, to try and prove what is probably a good point in its own context, but we're taking something and then we're misrepresenting who God is. Yeah. So we take like um, Isaiah 43 and 18. Forget the former things. See, I'm doing new thing. Set your eyes on what's coming, right? Like, that's my, you know, that's the, the as my... Um, as my pastor would say, the Hebrew version, right? The <laughs> translation. Um, and people will use that as like a baseline for, hey, all the bad stuff that happened to you, forget all of that. Yep. Like just focus on what God has for you in the future because the future is going to be really good. Yep. Now, that the core of that is great. Yeah. Right? Those are typically well-meaning people who want you to have hope in what's coming. But that's not the point of that scripture. Mm. Isaiah 43 and 18 says that verses one through 17 you know what it's all about it's all about god reminding israel about what they've been through yeah specifically so actually the opposite of what people talk about like oh forget all of that stuff 
focus on what's the, uh, what's in the future, God is reminding them about all the bad things he's brought them through. And then he says in 4318, but forget all of that. See, I'm doing a new thing because all the bad things I'm going to bring you through are going to be even greater. So he's not saying forget all the stuff that happened to you. Yeah. He's not talking about forgetting the bad things. Yeah. It's actually a story about a God who's who's saying to you, I brought you through bad things. Yeah. And have hope in the future because the bad things I'm going to bring you through in the future are going to be even bigger than this bad thing. He's not even talking about bad things not happening. Yeah. But he, he's talking about remember what I brought you through. Yeah. So that when the next time comes, you'll remember how bad that was and how I still brought you through. Yeah. And you can have hope that I'm going to keep bringing you through. Yeah. Right. So and not to talk. That's great. But like we do a lot of trying to put people's focus on the future as if all that God has for us is only in the future. Yeah. Very weird for yeah. a God who's constantly asking us to remember things. Yes. The word remember is in scripture 253 times the word remember that is how important it is to god that we remember that we look back we look back to understand how we got where we are now and how we can have hope and navigate the future right that's why it matters for us to remember it matters for us to look back you know it makes me think of in mark 9 the story of the little boy that's about to be healed right before jesus heals him he says how long has he been like this it matters how long you've been in pain it matters how long you've been carrying that burden it matters how long you have been in distress to god god's not the person you know, like i said before saying i don't care how you feel god is the person saying i care how you feel and i'll care how long you felt it yeah right like He's not just trying to heal us in the moment so we can move forward. He's trying to help us understand how we don't get to understand how powerful present healing is until we look at how long we've been in pain and how miraculous it is that we can experience healing now after so many years of being in pain. Yeah. Right. Like so many of us have been suffering for so long and we try to bypass our pain. We don't want to put our attention on it. And when we don't put our attention on it, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to heal. You cannot heal what you deny. You Come cannot on. heal what you deny. And so many of us are trying to figure out how to take hold of healing while denying the thing that we need to be healed of at the same time. You know, one of the funny things that this culture like creates is actually the opposite of what we just talked about. So we just talked about kind of downplaying your story. Yeah. Um, cliff noting it, kind of putting it in a box. When you get around people who are constantly telling you to forget about what happened and move forward. Yeah. What you'll find is that, and you guys may have people in your life that kind of do this. You ever, everyone's got the friend who's like always exaggerating what's going on in their life. Adding a little sprinkle on top. You, you know? know, like where it's like, it's it's never it was hot it was like it was always a furnace yeah they were never in pain <laughs> they were always going to die right mm -hmm. like and and that can be like that has its own place within just relationship but sometimes that's people who are so used to people downplaying the rap the reality of their story yeah that they feel like they have to embellish it for people to care yep it's like, okay, well, when I told you that, like, that hurt my feelings, no one, no one cared. So now I got to say I'm suicidal, even if I'm not suicidal, yeah. because you won't even treat me like I'm a human being unless you think I'm going to die. 
It happens. <laughs> when we desensitize our when we become desensitized to our own pain and to other people's pain, we actually create an environment where the only pain we acknowledge is pain in the extremes. That's it. That's it, you know? And like, who? I just sit with that one because it's true. It's real. People are like, people have to, and this is not to say that, <clears throat> excuse me, this is not to say that people who express suicide ideation are exaggerating. This is not that at all. What I am saying is there is a world where people wait sometimes until they're at their absolute limit to say anything because it's the only way that we'll acknowledge it. You know, unfortunately, we recently lost um, Stephen Twitch Boss, um, amazing dancer, just an amazing person, and we lost him to suicide. But if he, a rich man, said you know, I'm really anxious, how would people respond? They've probably been like, I'd love to be anxious with all that yeah. money. Give I'd me $10 to, million dollars and some anxiety. I'll and be I, I won't be anxious, you know, uh, get some... Me- like, we, we only want to... Our culture is oftentimes reactive, and reactivity is a product of not putting our attention on our pain when our pain needs to have the attention. Trauma is not just not getting what you needed. It's getting exactly what you needed, but too late. Come on. There's a time frame in which our, some of our needs need to be met. And we keep waiting until it's too late before we can be kind, before we show up, before we're honest about what we've been through. Okay, so I, I'm going to detour here. Not, okay. not fully, but like you're bringing up something that I've been, I've just been thinking about a lot. Like the way that we tell stories is incredibly important. For sure. For sure. Human society is built on storytelling, Absolutely. right? Like everything we know. Mar- Why is Marvel so famous? We love stories. They tell a great story. And in fact, they're, they're telling the same story eight different ways, <laughs> right? So, so fine, but it's a great story. Yeah. And I think about stories and I think about how we tell them and what we can draw from them because I think all the things we've been talking about, like as an example, The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Everyone has heard about the story of the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Boy who cried wolf is a story about an immature, annoying, yeah, annoying little kid who's playing pranks, who wanted attention that he didn't deserve. Yeah. And ultimately he got, he got what was coming for him. He ended up getting eaten by wolves. Yeah. And that, and, and again, well-meaning people, right? The moral of that story is supposed to tell us about the reality that the truth is very hard to hear when it comes from the mouth of a liar. Yeah. That's real. That's a bar, right? That's yeah. a story worth telling, yeah. 100%. But there's another way that we could talk about even that story. Yeah. So, like, we could also say that the, the Boy Who Cried Wolf is a story about the lengths that lonely people will go to in order to be seen. Yeah. We, we could also yeah. say that, like, the boy who was bored and started lying for attention could also be a story about a child with really inconvenient feelings yeah. that were consistently and continuously disregarded so long that it actually feels like it's starting to kill him. Yeah. Like, like maybe the isolation and the loneliness of a child who's kind of left on his own got so deep and so dark and so real 
that the wolf that he's crying about is a real wolf. It's just not a wolf anyone else can see. Yep. Yep. Bar. And, and, and the idea that, like, even if we investigate the story, we think about a kid who's bored, and so he's lying and trying to get people to him. Is there another thing that that little boy could have said that would have had the whole town running to come and check on him? Yeah. Yep. So it's like, it's not even, it's not just a story about a bad kid who's immature. In, in many ways, it's a story about how suffocating the loneliness of isolation is. And it's, it's also a story about community. It's a story about a community who would probably never run to check on his feelings. But as soon as the sheep are in danger, here everybody comes. Yeah. And so like. And it's, all, it, yeah. it's also a story about a community that only shows up when your life is on the line. Yeah. And, and we have this reality that like what we pull from that story, what we're really telling children in a lot of ways is it's better to be dead than to be inconvenient. Ooh. And uh, be quiet about your pain. Yeah. And, and the idea that um, what we know to be true the, the story is like, it's supposed to be a fable for five-year-olds, right? Like that's yeah. actually one of the books that made it famous in like 1836. I'm a nerd. I start thinking about stuff and I go real deep. So sorry. But like, <laughs> that's a story for five-year-olds trying to teach them how to live, live life. But really it's probably a horror story yeah. for adults yeah. about the idea of a community that sees sheep as priceless, but little boys as expendable. Yeah. And I wonder, like we talk about, you know, Steven, Twitch, boss and a whole bunch of other people who in many ways like are crying wolf and oftentimes i'm not saying that he was but yeah. oftentimes the narrative of people who get to that point are people who have been crying wolf in a way that other people couldn't see the wolf that they were talking about like maybe yeah. the loneliness is just as real as the physical wolf you see maybe it felt yep. like a predator to him maybe yep. it felt like something nipping at his heels that yep. was going to destroy him yep and so obviously that's me reworking the common story but what about in other people's lives the people that we meet when we cliff note their story into well you know this is just you know how they are bro like they can never do right yeah they always they're always gonna lie to you they can't help themselves like yeah. you can't trust them yes that may be true yes yeah. it is real the idea that the truth is hard to hear when it comes from the mouth of a liar. Yeah. Also, why maybe we... not every liar is lying for no reason. Yeah, and why aren't we asking? Like, there's so many ways for us, and this is why I say it, it, healing starts with attention, with shifting attention. We could put the attention on, oh, I came last time and, and there was no wolf that I could see, or we could put the attention on, what's going on internally with you that makes you want to keep lying? There's something, there's something that you want my presence for. Yeah. There's something you want me near for, right? And, like, it is a reminder. I talk about this all the time if you follow me on my platforms. The part of the brain that processes physical pain also processes emotional pain. It registers nearly identical to the body, right? And we miss that, right? We, we want people to be quiet unless their pain um, it's something can, we can see and validate. Yes, unless it's something that we can see or is tangible. We if your pain you would quiet. be painful to me, then it's real. Oh, and if it wouldn't be painful to me, it ain't. Yeah, and and this is why 
we have to know what our story is because we can become the people who proverbially, proverbially, y'all, what is wrong with me? Um, cry wolf because we want something from people, but we don't even know what we want because we don't even know what hurts. We don't even know what we're missing. We don't even know what we're longing for. Right. And, you know, when I talk to my clients about like, hey, let's let's talk about your past history. Tell me what it was like growing up. They'll say, oh, my childhood's normal. And I'll be like, tell me what elementary school was like. And they'll be looking at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, tell me what your earliest memory is. They're like, huh? Like, tell me what like a regular day in like the sixth grade was like. And like they usually came up and they're like, it was normal, like every average sixth grader. And I'm like, uh, you don't want to know what the average sixth grader is going through. But like tell me the details and they always want to gloss over it and I always have to like push and push and push and they're like well that's in the past it's not that big of a deal and like why do I need to look back why do I need it why do I need to talk about that yeah I didn't come here to to rehearse the history like I want to deal with what's somewhere new yeah I want to deal with like what I'm bringing to you right now but here's the truth the thing that you're bringing to me right now I is almost absolutely tied to the thing that you don't want to talk about you know you're asking why do I need to look at the past the better question is why don't you want to what are you afraid to find what are you afraid to face what are you afraid to see if you go back to that past right because there's a reason why you're so persistent about glossing over the things um that come up from a certain like time you know in in a certain time frame and if we want healing like a lot of healing is acknowledging and feeling and I want to say this because a lot of people don't like feeling emotions because they feel like they'll be overcome by emotions they don't like feeling emotions because in a community where people do not feel emotions regularly when they do feel them they drown in them there's a world where you can swim there's a world where you can keep your head above water right there's a world where emotions don't define who you are people love to say feelings aren't facts Yes, true. Feelings are not facts, but feelings lead to facts. Usually the facts we don't want to look at and the ones we need to look at. Feelings lead to facts. Oftentimes the facts that we're not seeking out. Right? You feel bad. Okay, that doesn't define you for sure, but there's a reason why that feeling's coming up. And there's a fact underneath that feeling, right? Feelings are the check engine light of the soul. And many of us don't want to acknowledge the fact that our feelings are indicators of the things that need to be acknowledged. We just ignore our feelings and we want to heal, but we have to, feeling is part of healing, like physically feeling it. Emotions are physical experiences that come from hormonal releases based on the external and social experiences we have. You can say something. When you say something, my brain, based on my values, will process what you said. Based on what you said and how my brain categorizes it, there will be a hormonal release that I feel in my physical body. Yeah. Right? There's no such thing as it being all in your head. It's in your body. Right. And the moments that hurt you, if you don't process and metabolize that pain the same way someone might metabolize food, it makes you sick, not just on an emotional level, but on a physical level. There are studies of people who have throat cancer from keeping secrets. (laughs) Like you will literally become sick. Yeah. Think of think of the stress hormones, um, uh, adrenaline and cortisol. Right. Mm -hmm. Those things, those hormones are meant for specific instances, like when you're getting chased by a bear. (laughs) That's and and guess what? That chase, hopefully in the name of Jesus, does not last long. 
Yeah. Your body is only meant to release those hormones for short bursts of time. When you have unresolved trauma, you are living everyday life, 24 hours, day in and day out with those hormones being released. What does that do to your body? That's like weightlifting every single day from the moment you open your eyes to the moment you go to sleep. Your and then shaming going, yourself for being tired. And then shaming yourself for being weak. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, you have been carrying a lot and you deserve freedom. You deserve peace. You deserve for your body to be regulated. Your nervous system is shot. You have to look at what is causing this reaction on a physical, emotional, spiritual level. And part of looking at it also includes feeling it. Feeling the weight of the disappointment doesn't matter if other people said it wasn't that big of a deal. Your body, your nervous system says it is. You know, um, so early in our relationship, <clears throat> I was a perfect human being and Kobe was really like, she was just working to, to try to come up to my level. And so <laughs> um, I can remember an argument that we had early on because like I stand here now like. I'm all talking about emotions and people's stories and all, you know, boy who cried wolf and all that stuff. Um, that's not that's not the me that existed six years ago. I was the king of like, no one cares, work harder. Yeah. That's it. You know, yeah. it's like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Does anyone, raise your hand yeah. if you care. No one, let's go to work, right? Um <laughs> And so we, I can remember having an argument and we were arguing actually about this idea that emotions are real things rather than like a form of immaturity. Because yes. I was, in many ways, I was like, Lee. my culture kind of taught me that to have a negative emotion specifically was to be immature. Yep. And when you got more mature, you would stop having those emotions. Yep. So there's no way for you to be someone that you wanted to be and yeah. also be sad. Can't yeah. be both at the same time. Yeah. Right. So so when Kobe was trying to challenge me to be a more full human being, what I was receiving was her. Really, what I was hearing was, hey, I know you want to be this image. You have an image of what your life is going to look like and the man that you want to be one day. And I don't want you to be that man. Mm. Like, I know you want to be strong and you want to be self-sufficient and secure and all these different things. But like, I don't want you to be that. Right. So yeah. that's what I was actually hearing. And we have this argument about emotions being real. And, you know, she's like actually a therapist and taking chemistry courses and all this stuff. So she knows it. But I'm just being an a-hole. And um, <laughs> she's like, okay, well, if emotions are just in your head and they're just like, it's just be more mature, then stop being angry right now. And I was like. <laughs> and like, I, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, and she was like, you can't stop being angry right now because your brain has started a chemical reaction in your body and it's not going to stop until it's done. Yep. And she was just sitting there silent. She's like, just be not angry. And for, don't marry a therapist. Don't marry this therapist <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there angry, mad that I can't not be angry, embarrassed <laughs> that I'm angry about not being angry. And trying to not be angry. Like, it was, it was, you know, she folded me into a pretzel, and it was one of those moments where I had to be like, huh, okay, so that's weird, because I'm, like, I'm king of, like, bro, put your mind to it, work, just yeah. throw it, hey, you want to be successful? I had, I had 
early when I was not a very nice person, I had a younger college student come to me and like, hey, like you've been successful. Like I want some tips and tricks. I was like, here's get a pen out. You are a hundred out. You're about three or four years of a hundred hour weeks away from being successful. And that's it. So if you want to work 30 hour weeks now, it'll just take you 10 years. If you work 200 hour weeks, I don't know how you do it. Maybe you could do it in half, but it's like, that's it. We're like, well, how do you know? How do you navigate? You just work harder. Well, but you know, you're the only black guy in all these spaces and they're so mean to you. Yeah. But you know, and work harder. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. And so like, it's just funny because sometimes you need like the real, like next time you're angry, try to just not be angry. Yeah. And then realize, oh, my God, I can't. It's almost like my body is doing something and I'm along for the ride, which means, oh, man, I guess my pain is real. Yeah. We don't control what we feel. We control how we react to what we feel. You can't control how you feel. Like, stop feeling da 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 You're not allowed to feel. They're going to feel it regardless. I'm so sorry. Whoever you're telling to stop feeling something, they're going to, it's probably going to magnify <laughs> once you tell them to stop. And, you know, like, I have found that people who are resistant to acknowledging emotions are usually the people who are most controlled by them. Um, and the people who are most overwhelmed by them. And so I have like a, you know, because it used to be you, uh, I have like a very special like <laughs> mercy for those people um, because I realize those people are so averse to addressing emotions because they're reacting to things they can't remember. Their body has memorized the context, the words, the language, the tone of the ways that they've been hurt and they're reacting constantly to the past but not in a way that they remember cognitively, but in a way their body and their nervous system has memorized. And these are the people who want to shut down your emotions because the only ways they can exist is to shut down their own, right? And so like, I really do have like a special mercy for these people, but the only way that we can stop being regularly surprised and bopped up the head by these physical sensations is to investigate where did they originate, right? That takes time. That takes safety. That's not just something you should do. <laughs> like, I'm grab a journal and what what was your trauma? <laughs> Let me like, go live on IG right now and start to- telling yeah, and everybody. And some people do that. Like, it, yeah. it takes, you have to be safe to be honest. You have to be safe. And not just on an emotional, well, everyone else is safe here, so I need to act safe. You need to, on a neurological level, feel safe to open up and be honest, right? There's a reason why that when we don't feel safe, every part of our body does what? Constricts. When we feel safe, every part of our body does what? Relaxes. We literally open up when we feel safe. And so healing starts with finding a safe place so that you can open up, to open up enough to slowly investigate the things that are at the root of the reactions that you have on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, right? Relegating yourself to the idea that like, this is just how I am is imprisoning yourself. It feels like, oh, I'm rising above the pain, but you're not rising above it. You're being stepped on by it. You're being controlled. You're under the thumb of your past um, in a way that you can't control because you don't even know what past is holding you down. 
You don't even know what moments are controlling you, right? And so we take our power back by looking at our pain instead of turning away from it. And um, for anyone who like wants to start this process in a way that feels safe to them, uh, I think a good question is, what are the moments that randomly pop up in your head that you automatically try to distract from? Don't say that. What are the moments, and you don't even have to actually go there yet, but like save that question for a moment where you are ready to go there. What are the moments that randomly pop up in your head that you automatically, without thinking, pick up your phone and start scrolling? Turn on the TV, grab something to eat, pour a drink, whatever it is. What are the moments that you're like, I don't want to think about that. I want to deal with that. Who are the people that you are around that elicit a physiological response of fear or anxiety, even if they don't do or say anything? Right. That person may be tied to your trauma or that person may have traits of someone who hurt you. Who do they remind you of? Right. Um, I think that's a great place to start as we turn our attention to the pain that we have, because that's where all healing starts. It doesn't start with picking up the axe or the shovel and digging. And it, it starts with attention. Yeah. It starts with looking at ourselves instead of trying to constantly manage how we feel with things out here. And, you know, it. it I get it. It's hard. It is hard to realize that your life is not a reflection of who you are, but instead an intricately strung together list of coping skills. Come, come <laughs> you know? on. Like, like I don't do it because I like it. I do it because if I don't, I feel anxious. Bro, I don't walking do it because it's fun. 40% duct tape. Yeah. Not even, like, you know, whole and, humans. And and I think that's why a lot of us have lives that look good to other people, but we feel suffocated and and sad and angry and confused because like people on the outside think our lives are beautiful and awesome but like we are enslaved to the things that we do on a daily basis because it's the only way that we can not be overwhelmed by our emotions right but emotions are 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 i talk about name entertainment i'm gonna end it here but name entertainment um was created by a um, psychiatrist, um, Dr. Dan Siegel, what he did is he looked at the human brain and he found that when we put words to the emotions that we're feeling, the uh, right posterior part of the brain, which is like where it process processes emotion, when we're feeling like badly, the right posterior part of the brain is activated and it's just like on, 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 on. The left part of the brain um, has to do with language and meaning. When we put words to our feelings, the left side of the brain releases neurotransmitters that calms the right side of the brain. Literally, we literally decrease our distress when we put words to how we're feeling. When we say, I am sad, we literally make ourselves calmer instead of just feeling that sadness and silence, which is why therapy is important, which is why friendship and community is important, which is yeah. why journaling, songwriting, all of those ways of putting words to our pain matter on a biological level yeah um you should be a therapist or something like i you know i ain't i'm basically a talent scout i know it when i see it you got it um you know part of like if you're new to the healing circle like we kind of have a shtick here we have a thing so we've got the expert in helping people like work through trauma and then we have like semi-expert in just being traumatized <laughs> so you know i'm i um i'm a much healthier person uh five years after uh oh almost six, six years after being with kobe um 
And from my standpoint, one of the things that I would always offer to people who are like in the beginning, especially men, because that's my experience. Like, um, if you were part of this community anytime before now, you know, I have a really complex story. I, um, been an addict and, and struggled with porn addiction and different things. And one of the things that kept me from being able to progress in healing was that I was always starting my story halfway through. So every time I did something I did not want to do, every time I was not the man that I wanted to be, I started rehearsing the story about Kyle Campbell. Trash, all this stuff. And I, I, but I didn't recognize it, but I was always starting it like 70% way through the movie. And one of the things that I would offer to anyone as you're starting to like just investigate the next time you start to tell the story about your life because we're always doing it challenge yourself to go like one step before where you normally start Mm. so instead of being like bro i've been at this for for 10 years trying to stop doing this one thing that i cannot stop doing because i'm mentally weak because blah 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 blah. so it's okay well it's 10 year story what was happening in year 11 and then what was happening in year 12? And what was happening in year 13? And, and eventually I began to see that I was unable to move forward because I fundamentally misunderstood what my problem was. I thought my problem was yeah. I just really like porn. Not really my problem. Yeah. My problem was that I was socially isolated to a point where I would do anything to feel connected to anyone. And it just so happens that there is a mechanism where at any point, at any time of the day, when you feel bad about yourself, I could go to this place that would always make me feel like someone wanted me. Yeah. Still hard to deal with. But now we're dealing with two very different issues. One is like, I'm just not a good person. And I'll, you know, what do you do with that? The other one is maybe I'm more lonely than I think. Yeah. And so there's a whole lot of things that we can do, but I would just challenge you to start there. Like if you're trying to figure out like, oh yeah, I know I got some problems. I don't, and I don't have no, I have no idea on how to even begin. I would begin with telling the story one step earlier. And I think you'll find that you deserve more grace and more empathy than you ever thought. Wow. Thank you for being vulnerable. I just want to leap over and give you a hug. You can. Come on over here. All right, fam. Um, <clears throat> uh, hey, uh, for all of you people who um, you're like you're struggling with your skincare routine or your hygiene or you want to get taller, here's the solution. April of 2023, oh there's a book coming God. out. It's called Why Am I Like This? Now, when you're asking, you're in the mirror like, man, why am I like this? And you're pointing at that pimple. The answer's in the book. You're going to find it. Credit score is going to go up. Your, your teeth are going to get brighter. Everything's going to be better about your life. Colors are going to be better. Just, you know, food's going to taste more foody. If there's something you need, it's either in Jesus or in that book. I cannot with you. I'm so, done with you, Cal. You know, that, and, and that's it. Go ahead, babe. On a serious note, please go ahead and pre-order my debut book. Why am I like this? I'm so excited about it. I believe in it. I've cried many tears as I wrote it, as I read it. Um, it's been cool writing something that's also like spoken to me. So I'm so excited for you guys to 
experience that resource. Also, if you are looking for a community of people who are amazing, who are ready to heal and grow and love, join my inner circle, which is my membership community. And the link is in the show notes. Also, if you're looking for therapy, my practice is taking clients with my amazing bilingual therapist, Maria. So book a session with her. And I think I'll also it. be doing some therapeutic coaching alongside the healing circle. So if you ask yourself like, oh man, I'm so broken. I really need like someone who's amazing and an expert. And I really want someone who's married to that person to come and talk to me. I'm your guy. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out with us. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> next week until the circle comes back around. Bye y'all. <laughs> Bye. Benzene.